This Tuesday, January 23rd, NBA Betting Picks edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use promo code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. We're also brought to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Head to cut.com, that's K-U-T-T.com, and use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. And we're also brought to you by the SGPN Merch Store. 15% off of everything when you use promo code PLAYOFFS. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, January 23rd, currently 11.05 on the East Coast, here to get into our NBA betting picks for the Tuesday schedule and recap what we saw in the association last night. And joining me here to help me break it all down, I got my guy here with me. It's Scott Studio Reichel. Scott, what's going on, my man? How are you doing this Tuesday morning? Uh, doing pretty well. Pretty fun day in the NBA yesterday. Uh, it was Kobe's 18th year anniversary of, I think, 81, and a mm-hmm. lot of players lost their minds. Uh, Embiid went for 70. Cat had 62. I'll get back to Minnesota in a second. Even Harrison Barnes at 32. So, yeah, a lot of chaos in the NBA yesterday. But pretty fun overall day. A couple close games here and there. But once again, I feel like the main talking points were obviously the high point totals by several players. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it was uh, Kobe's 18-year anniversary of him dropping 81 points uh, against the Toronto Raptors. And, I mean, let's just start there with Joel Embiid. He comes out in the first half with a, a man possessed, I believe, what, he had 34 in the first um, half, I believe? Yep. He had 34, uh, and I think Cat had 44. Yeah, Cat finished with 44 in the first half. Um, and then... Joel Embiid said, oh, that's not good enough for me in the first half. Let me go out and score another 36 points um, in the second half. And he is, uh, or I should say, he finished the game with 70 points uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers in a winning effort uh, against the San Antonio Spurs. But, uh, yeah, pretty incredible performance by Joel Embiid, who, I mean, when he's playing and healthy this season, he's looked uh, like, the I guess the, I don't want to say the front runner because there's three guys that are have odds less than three to one, but um, he's making a solid case. I'll say that much. But another incredible performance, uh, one for the history books for sure, for at least for Joel and me last night here, Scott. Yeah, and most importantly, they won the game. Yeah, I uh, can't say the same about uh, the guy who had the second most points last night. But yeah, Embiid would probably be my vote for MVP right now. Uh, I think 100%. that even though Jokic is the best player in the world, in my opinion. Embiid mm-hmm. has done his best to narrow the gap. Now, of course, it's not going to matter until he does something in the playoffs. We're aware of that, but it's a regular yeah. season award. He won mm-hmm. it last year, and based on what Embiid's doing, assuming he reaches the game's criteria for games played, yeah. he should win the award. I mean, he's been averaging, what, like 40-plus points in the last two months? It's stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, he yeah. should be winning the award. So we'll see what happens. I know Embiid's knee has given him some issues recently. Uh, we know, once again, that Nurse is going to keep an eye out for it because he has to stay healthy for the playoffs. Nobody's really going to care about the big numbers in the grand scheme of things until he gets out of the second round. But yeah. for the sake of a regular season award, he probably should be the favorite to win the award. 37 minutes last night, 24 of 41 from the floor, uh, one of two from three point land, 21 of 23 from the free throw line. 
also finished with 18 rebounds and five assists in the game. So, um, yeah, in a winning effort, uh, like you mentioned there, Scott, 133-123 um, over the San Antonio Spurs. And the other guy, I mean, we talked about it at the, uh, earlier here, uh, Carl Anthony Towns had 44 points in the first half, but I don't think any of that would matter because they went on to lose the game against one of the worst teams in the association on their home floor against the Charlotte Hornets uh, by the final score of 128 to 125. Um, as great as Carl Anthony Towns was last night, and he was incredible while he's scoring the basketball, um, 21 of 35 from the floor, 10 of 15 from three-point land, 10 of 14 from the free-throw line. Um, but when you allow the Charlotte Hornets to come onto your home floor, where Minnesota is one of the best defensive teams, at least at home this season, to drop 128 points on you, I think um, that is... Very much concerning, but I don't think the points really matter when it's a losing effort. But again, a career high for Carl Anthony Towns last night, 62 for the Minnesota Timberwolves here, Scott. Cat is the first player I've ever seen in an NBA game get benched halfway through the fourth quarter with 60-plus points. <laughs> it wasn't even because he was tired. He got benched. He just got flat yeah. out benched because he was horrible uh, down yeah. the stretch. And Finch kind of called him out. He called out the team. Uh, you can make an argument, you know, points are points, but you got to win the game. And Finch basically said that they were points hunting for Cat instead of actually trying to win the game. And they ended up losing. Cat, for once again, I don't know how he scored 44 in the first half. I didn't watch the first half. I was watching Embiid, and then I looked over. It's like, oh, yeah, Cat's got 44 at halftime. I'm like, wait, what happened? And he just yeah. made like nine threes in the first half. Yeah. I watched the second half. I thought he was terrible. Like, just I thought he was objectively bad uh, in the last 12 plus minutes of that game. He couldn't guard anybody. Uh, that's why Charlotte scored. You know, 128 points is why he got benched, because in addition to forcing up bad shots, he couldn't guard anybody. So mm -hmm. Finch looked at him and said, get off the floor. Like, we might lose this game. I can't use you. And mm -hmm. then they had to go back to him eventually because they realized they needed the scoring. And Edwards either didn't have it yesterday or he was so passive because Cat was on a roll that mm -hmm. it just took him too long to actually get going. And at that point, Ed, uh, Ant never could. But down the stretch of that game, and he went two for 10 field goal in the fourth quarter. He had the turnover late. Which, yes, it was a foul. I don't care. LaMelo got fouled two possessions prior. They didn't call it either. That should have been a shooting foul, too, when Anderson got the strip. So that cancels out. So I don't feel bad for Minnesota at all. I thought LaMelo got fouled, and it was basically the same situation. They didn't call it. But the point is, Cat had the turnover late, airballed the miracle three at the end, two of 10 from the floor in the fourth quarter. Look, if you're going to score 88, if you're going to score 62 points, can you not turn the ball over eight times? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, like, it Cat was so bad in that fourth quarter. And I feel like, once again, I'm not going to fully dismiss everything he did in the first three quarters. He had 62. Like, it, yeah. it's incredible. He had 44 mm -hmm. at the half, which is yeah. absolutely insane. But I have to at least point out that I've called Minnesota frauds for about a month at this point. Mm -hmm. And this is the problem that I have, is even when Cat has a great offensive game, he's still a liability defensively, and he's still going to make dumb decisions late in games. And that's just the issue that I have with him as a player in general. I don't think he could be the second best player on a title team. And I think, once again, is a very solid player. I think he's a tad overrated at this stage in his career. Like, I recognize the trajectory. But if you look at where he's at right now, do you think he deserves, like, all of the praise he's gotten so far? Because you hear the comparisons, the similarities in film to Kobe and to Jordan. Can we let him like make deeper runs in the playoffs before we start crowning him to be the number one player on a title team? Can we get him to the playoffs first, pass the first round before we even talk about that? Or the even... one time he was in the playoffs, he had a couple of really good games against Memphis, sure. and they blew basically every game in the fourth quarter. 
Yeah, that was the story of that entire series, and yeah. I haven't seen any changes. But I'm not going to fully criticize Ant. He's still young. I get it. I think Towns once again had a great game, but I have issues with the rest of his game, especially late. I've criticized mm-hmm. Minnesota's late offense for the entire season, and mm-hmm. that was an issue once again last night. I just feel like it's pretty straightforward to me. This team isn't good enough, and you can argue that they are, and I'm yeah. going to disagree with you because Finch late in games either doesn't know how to get the guys going late or they don't have enough shot creators or both, and it might be mm-hmm. both. I'm not sure if Finch is actually a good coach or not. I mean, defensively, they're very good. I get it. Gobert yeah. can't do anything with the basketball offensively unless he's under the rim. That's the only thing he can do. Uh, Connolly's a spot-up three-point shooter at this point. That's basically what he is. Yeah. Anderson shoots in slow motion. He's a talented role player, but I don't know if he can actually you know, help stretch a floor. I've said it several times, but the fact that a player drops 62 and gets benched midway through the fourth quarter tells you that maybe he's not the right guy to be a number two on a serious contending team. Just saying. Yeah, I think there's only two guys on this roster that or maybe even just one primary guy that can create his own shot, and that is Anthony Edwards, right? And, and Nas Reed, that, I'm not going to count because he can't play in the final uh, five if you're, if you're yeah. paying Cat and Gobert that much money. So right. even Reed, you, you can't physically use him late in games. So yeah. once again, have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen a guy get benched halfway through the fourth quarter in a close game with 60-plus points? I've never <laughs> seen it in my life. Never seen it. Never seen it either. Um but yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, I, I went back and looked at the box scores for both Joel Embiid and Cat last night after performances, and the first thing that jumped out to me was Car Anthony Towns and the turnovers that he had last night. Seven turnovers. I mean... It was eight. I thought it was eight. I, I mean, what, what I'm looking at... I mean, it might have been seven or eight, but um, nonetheless, right? I mean, the, the team had 13 turnovers as a, as a team last night, and when you're responsible for more than half of those turnovers, um, I think that kind of speaks volumes to me. But I don't know... If he was just going out there thinking it was his night, trying to be Michael Jordan in that fourth quarter or the second half, but it cost his team the victory last night. And I think from a team perspective and a coaching perspective, like I don't care if you went out and put some 62 points and you lost the game, like those 62 points don't matter to me. I think what's more alarming is like you gave up 128 points to the Charlotte Hornets as well, because defensively, like you mentioned, Carl Anthony Tans cannot guard anybody. Um, I don't think Edwards has been dealing with an illness as well. I'm not going to make excuses for him, and he was probably passive to Cat because he was having just a great shooting night, at least in the first half. He finished the game with 11 assists, he did. But again, when it gets down to the crunch time, like I don't want anybody handling the ball other than Anthony Edwards because he's that one player that can create his own shot, can knock down a shot from any point of the floor, and he get to the free throw line. But, I mean, that just didn't ha- happen from last night. So. I mean, I'm just going to ask you, though, the, the last two possessions, I get that Cat had a 40-footer to tie the game. He airballed, yeah. whatever. It's a 40-footer. Yeah. You're, like that, you're screwed at that point. Yeah. Cat gets the ball. He drives to the lane, tries to go one-on-four. Yes, I know there was yeah. a foul. He tried to go one-on-four. Did mm-hmm. any part of you or anybody in the chat, when you were trying to watch that game live, did any part of you think something good was going to happen from that possession? <laughs> as soon as he touched the ball from the top of the key, did any of you think that this ball was going in the hoop? He was just to trying to honest. play hero ball. He was playing hero ball. That's just what he it went was. one on four. But I'm saying even yeah. regardless, like when you saw the ball in his hands late, did you feel good about nothing it? Nothing good was going to come from that. Correct. Probably nothing not. From what I've seen enough. in Cat's career, nothing good was going to happen from that. Yeah. So that's what I think of him. I mean, I'm not I'm not a cat guy. I, I just don't have faith in him to make big decisions late. And I yeah. don't trust him. So I'm going to put it this way. I've said it about Minnesota. I think they're frauds. I think that it's obvious they're not going to seriously compete for a championship with this core. Mm. How shocked would you be on a scale of 1 to 10? 10 being totally shocked. Mm. How shocked would you be if they lost in the first round? 
if we had a one or a two seed Timberwolves team pull a Buxel from last year and lose to a playing team? Because I would actually not be shocked. Um, probably like a two. So I wouldn't be two that shocked. In, you wouldn't be shocked at all, basically. No, no, I wouldn't. I, okay, I'm, I'm glad I'm not alone here because I'm watching yeah, this team, and the more I watch them, the less I like them. Yeah, they're gonna have to make Just some type of move about the trade deadline. They're gonna have to I'm make some have to. The question is, are they going yeah. to? They might just look at the record and yeah. go, you know, we're good enough. Uh, they're like, yeah, it was just not. one game. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying. But you think about the play-in right now. Like, I'm going to ask you, because I know that it's a classic, you know, never count out the Lakers BS thing. But let's say the Lakers get in the play-in. And let's Lakers say the Lakers end them. up advancing. Is this just Grizzlies from last year 2.0? They just show up and just beat you in six? I'm taking the Lakers in a series against this team in the playoffs. I don't know about so you. Right, right now, the play-in tournament teams would be Sacramento, Dallas, Lakers and the Jazz. Okay, I'm going to ask you this. Dallas versus Minnesota. Seven-game series. Who are you taking? Dallas. I'm probably taking Dallas. It, it just is what it is. I trust Luka I th- and Kyrie more late in games. I think they would beat Sacramento because Sacramento has been... They've taken a step back this season. I'll say that much. Um, I think the Lakers would beat them, and if it is a Jazz, I think... The Jazz think would give them a... The jazz. Yeah, I think they would give them a challenge, the Jazz would, but I think eventually the Minnesota Timberwolves would win. I think they could beat the Kings, which would be close, but I think they could beat the Kings, so the Kings are flawed, yeah. too. Yeah. And I think they'd yeah. beat the Jazz. But I would yeah. take Dallas, and I would take the Lakers. The point yeah. is, the West is pretty deep that even the play-in teams can be a threat if they get going. Maybe the Lakers trade D'Lo, make some moves here and there. I know Rozier's off the board. We'll talk about yeah. that in a second. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm kind of saying. Like, Minnesota's a great record, but you're looking at the actual details behind a magnifying glass and you realize there's a lot of flaws with this team and I don't really like what I see. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, Scott, before we do get into the uh, Terry Rozier trade here, uh, let me tell everyone about underdog fantasy. Look, uh, underdog fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long, whether it's in the NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball, and college football, simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash, and you can win 100x with some spicy plays. We'll, we'll put together an underdog fantasy uh, entry for tonight's games at the end of the episode, so you can watch along. Maybe make it make your own picks as well, and maybe make a little cash over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. And when you sign up with promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit of up to $100. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy uh, using the promo code NBA SGPN. Hey, help support the NBA Gambling Podcast. We have our own unique um, deposit bonus code NBA SGPN. All right, Scott, we did see a trade that came uh, to fruition uh, earlier. Actually, this morning is when we got the news of Terry Rozier. Uh, he is headed to... Uh, South Beach to Miami uh, in exchange for, I think it was a Kyle Lowry and a first round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. But I think this was. It is lottery uh, protected, by the way. It's lottery protected yeah. from 2027, but it can become unprotected in 2028. Okay. Um, what was your reaction when you heard about this trade? Good for Miami. Yeah. I mean, if you're following the Heat, you know, Lowry has, has been unplayable for the last month and a half. Like, he mm-hmm. can't play. Uh, It's kind of a weird spot for Lowry because I was critical of him even a couple of years ago. You might remember uh, when Mm -hmm. they made the uh, deep playoff runs and they ended up losing in seven to the Celtics. And then the year after they ended up making the finals. I've been calling Kyle Lowry washed for like two plus years. And he was somehow a valuable role player on an NBA finals team last year. I don't know what happened there. He had 30 in the play in game which I still don't comprehend against Atlanta. They lost that game anyway, but Lowry had a great game. And he was very good in the NBA Finals. 
he was just very, very solid in the NBA Finals against Denver. He was one of the only role players who actually showed up for that series. So I guess he had a little bit left in the tank. But you've been watching him for the last couple of weeks, and Miami can't play him. Like You're no. just looking at the numbers. He can't move. He can't yeah. move. He can't shoot. So it's really just not a shock. Now, uh, Charlotte took it as a salary dump because Rozier's getting paid a decent amount of money, and they know deep down that you know he was going to be on a really bad team because Charlotte sucks, and they were trying to get extra draft capital, and they realized that it wasn't worth paying him all this money. But just to go through Lowry's numbers, I mean, this season is averaging 8.2 points per game. He's shooting 42.6%, but I got to read off these last couple of games because, I mean, he's been he's been horrible for the last couple yeah. of months. And just to read these this off, I'm going to go through – I'll go through January only. January stats, if uh, ESPN has it. I don't think they have it. That kind of sucks. Okay. Um, who? Uh, they do. Lowry? Okay, so January. He's played nine games. We'll mm-hmm. start there. Actually, uh, yeah, he's played nine games. What if I told you that he's shooting 29.4% from the floor in 24.2 minutes? And he's shooting 16.1% from three. 24.2 minutes in nine games in January. He's shooting less than 30% from the floor and less than 17% from three. He can't play. Like he, he I mean, that's what that's one of the worst stat lines you've ever heard. Like yeah. if he was not getting paid that much money, he would have been demoted or like cut outright a long time ago. So Miami had to get rid of him. Like I understand he was great for you last year in the playoffs, but you you can't just let that fly. Lowry, we know, is just out of gas at this point. It happens. Miami's not afraid of picking up some veterans to try to help the core, but Lowry's not helping anymore. And basketball IQ can only get you so far, but when your numbers are that bad, you have to make a move. And we know Miami's not good enough offensively, especially with Butler who constantly misses games, to keep rolling out Lowry there for 24 minutes where you don't have to guard the guy. Yeah, I, I mean, it, you're basically playing four on five <laughs> offensively every time he's on the floor. So yeah. you have to get rid of him. So I'm not surprised the move happened. I'm a little bit surprised that it was between uh, Charlotte. I didn't, I didn't really know Rozier was on Miami's radar. I'm not shocked. I think Rozier is a very good uh, bench player. I just wasn't yeah. expecting two guys in the same division to make two teams in the same division to make that trade. But mm-hmm. good trade for Miami. Good trade for Charlotte in general. You save money and you get a draft pick out of it. But Miami did what they had to do. Kyle Lowry was damaged goods and they had to let him go. Simple as that. Yeah, it gives them another a definitely upgrade at that point guard position. Also gives them another guy that can uh, score the basketball, right? Because we've seen when Terry Rozier was, um, oh, when Lamelo Ball was out of the lineup uh, for this Charlotte Hornets team, that the scoring load fell on a guy like Terry Rozier. And the Hornets have had other guys being in the lineup, whether it was been Gordon Hayward, whether it was, you know, um, PJ Washington at times. He, he was the most consistent guy. Now this gives Miami another definite guy. That comes in. It's definitely an upgrade, like I mentioned, over Kyle Lowry. Um, and it gives you another a guy that can score the basketball. If Jimmy Butler is going to, again, be that guy that's going to be missing time in the lineup. Um, Miami's you know, somehow in first place. I don't know how they're in first place, but they're somehow in first place. The division's terrible. The point is, they're always a threat to make a run. Yeah. Because we know Miami with playoff Jimmy, assuming he stays healthy in this core and with Spolstra, they can yep. beat anybody in yep. a seven-game series. We just know that they yep. can, but... Yeah, Lowry was giving them nothing. Once again, just to read off that the stats again, in nine games in January, he's shooting 29.4% from the floor, and he's playing 24-plus yeah. minutes. Like yeah, that, so, No, like you have to get rid of him at that point. I don't yeah, care what 100%. your name is. You got to get rid of him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, dominoes keep falling as we approach the trade deadline here in the NBA. We saw Pascal Siakam, and now uh, the latest – Trey Terry Rozier headed to Miami for Kyle Lowry and a 
lottery uh, protected uh, first round draft pick. Do you think Charles right, keeps him? Huh? No, I think they wave. Charles keeps him. No, I think they wave him. There's rumors that there was actually they're actually not going to immediately waive him. So actually, I'm curious what Charlotte's philosophy is, unless they just want a veteran leader with an immature locker room. That was going to be my I next mean, point. Yeah, I don't know what Lowry's even worth. To be honest, I could see the Lakers signing him for the hell of it, but like I don't I don't see what value he'll bring you right now at this point. He's he's completely cooked. I think you'd agree with that. Yeah, he's probably good for 15, 20 minutes a night for you at that like a backup point guard position. Other than that, said, even with that, he can't he can't shoot thirty percent. Yeah. Somehow he just turns it up in the playoffs I, for whatever yeah. reason. But yeah, maybe a contending team like, I mean, like the Lakers. I'm not saying it is going to be the Lakers. Locker room, like the Lakers. high IQ guy. Maybe yeah. bring him in for like a Udonis Haslam, like sure. veteran leader off the like bench kind of guy, maybe for morale. But yeah, yeah, Lowry, he had a great career. But I think it's safe to say it's basically over at this point. Yeah. All right, Scott, let's actually get into the games here for tonight. In the association, five-game schedule here. Let's get into the first game here. We got the Denver Nuggets. They are headed to Indiana to take on the Pacers. Um, currently, the line stands at the um, road team favorite here, the Denver Nuggets. Four and a half points in Indiana with a total of 238 and a half. Uh, looking at the injury report uh, for both of these teams, uh, Rick Carlark already came out and said that Halley is going to be missing at least next three games for injury management for his left hamstring strain. So he will be out for this game. Um, Andrew Nimhard is questionable as well. Uh, Isaiah Jackson is questionable as well for this game. For the Denver Nuggets, um, Aaron Gordon is probable. Michael Porter Jr. is probable as well. Um, and that is pretty much it here. Um, Scott, let's start with the side here. Denver Nuggets minus four and a half in Indiana tonight. Yeah, I think I got to go with Denver. I know this team's not great on the road. It was announced earlier that Halliburton's going to be out for the next three games uh, with injury management, so we'll see what happens. They've been, I mean, kind of underwhelming without Halley, but what do you expect? I mean, I don't know what else you expected to happen, but they weren't exactly playing that well with Halliburton and Siakam together, or at least Halliburton, or at least Siakam since he joined the team. I think they're 0-2. I'm going to lean to Denver. I, I just think they're the better team. Like, they're not going to really overthink this. Denver's played good ball recently. Indiana has not. And I just think at the end of the day, Denver is too much size. They're gonna they're gonna kill them on the glass in this game. Either with Jokic or with Gordon, they can pick with their poison kind of or whatever they want to do. I'm gonna lean to Denver in the spot. Uh, Indiana they beat Sacramento, uh, w- which was a solid chung by them. Uh, but then after that, they lost to Portland. They lost to Phoenix. They've lost four or five. I really don't want much to do with that team, so I'm just gonna lean to Denver and move on. Yeah, these two teams matched up in Denver back on January 14th. Denver got the victory 117-109 uh, in a game that they didn't have Tyrese Halliburton in that game, but the Denver Nuggets um, had three different guys that had eight or more rebounds. Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon had 10 rebounds, and then Nikola Jokic finished the game uh, with a near triple-double, 25 points, 12 rebounds, and nine assists. They had three guys, well, sorry, I should say four of their five starters had 20-plus points, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, and Nikola Jokic had each 25 points in that game for the Denver Nuggets. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, we talk a lot about with, with these type of caliber players that come into your roster, uh, like a Pascal Siakam, and now not having Tyrese Halliburton, like there's going to be some type of adjustment period where the Denver Nuggets, you know, they have that continuity, they have that chemistry um, with their starters, right? And I think that there's an opportunity for them to go in here. I know they haven't been very good on the road this season, the Denver Nuggets, but again, just going up against a team that just looks completely different when when Halley's on the floor, especially offensively. So 
I'll go with the Denver Nuggets here as well, minus a four and a half. Um, what are your thoughts on the total here at 238 and a half? It's, it's pretty tricky because I think Denver can score a bunch of points, but Indiana defensively has actually not been terrible recently. They're not good, but they've been okay, and offensively they've had some issues, scoring 110 against Phoenix, scoring 115 against Portland, 105 against Utah. Like, I, All right, I'll lean to the under in this one. First meeting landed 226. Now Halliburton's out. This total feels too high to me. I'm going to lean to the under. Yeah, I like the under as well. Like you mentioned, Indiana has been playing better defense um, and over the last 10 games. And uh, Denver defensively hasn't been too bad either. Um, so I'll try to pull up the numbers here exactly. Kira, give me a second for their defensive rating. So I know they Denver's used to be top 10. I'm not sure if they still are. Yeah, Denver's number 15 right now. At least over the last five, uh, Indiana is at number 25 here. But again, what's really. But the downfall for the Indiana Pacers has been their offensive rating, where they've been all season long one of the better ones. But like when Halley's out on the floor, obviously this team looks completely different. But I feel like this is a, a touch too many points here. So yeah, I like the under here as well. We're looking at player props in this game. Uh, for player props, I mean, Jokic triple double is the first way I'm going to go. You yeah. know, he's basically going to either get hooked or he's going to go over easily for the triple double. So yeah. Indiana's a great matchup. They can't guard him. Uh, they're bad on the boards, and they also give up a ton of points. So I think Jokic is just going to get fed the ball the entire game. Uh, he was close against Washington. Uh, then at the end of the day, you ended up seeing Washington kind of hang in there for a bit. Then they got, I don't want to say blown out, but Jokic was able to score a bunch of points, decided mm-hmm. to just capitalize on the mismatch because Gafford had no chance in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I just think, once again, triple-double for Jokic is pretty simple, but I'll stick with it. Do you believe in the Jamal Murray uh only showing up for good for good opponents theory, which has been circulating on Twitter. Um, he's like the opposite of MB. And I don't want to say MB, but he's like the opposite of a front runner. He only plays well against good teams, and he's just bad against bad teams, which has been a thing. I think, yeah, I think so. It might be something. Uh, which I've, I've seen, I've seen data to support it. Like I'm not fully against that idea, but anyway, the point is, I think Jokic has a big game. So do we qualify that the Pacers as a bad team then? Or a good uh, team. without Halliburton, sure. It's not on yeah. TV. There's no real stakes involved. Yeah, you can argue that Murray might take the game off. Yeah, he had 25 in the game earlier, like I mentioned. Um, uh, but that also without Halley in that lineup. But um, they might have an advantage matchup at least against the perimeter defense of the Indiana Pacers. But um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. it's either Jokic player props, whether it's his rebounds and assists to go over, or just playing his triple double here tonight. Um, rebounds are at 11 and a half, but it's juice at minus 160. It's pretty much at 12 and a half at probably at even money there, but um, his triple doubles at plus 140 as well. You want to get down on that. Uh, Aaron Gordon rebounds is something that's intriguing. Six and a half uh, at minus 125. Uh, like I mentioned, he did have double digits against the Pacers when they matched up in Denver two weeks ago. Uh, so I don't hate that uh, for Aaron Gordon, but yeah, that's all pretty much I was looking at. Anything else you have for this game, Scott? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I think once again, it's a Jokic game where he should just dominate. He has had less than 10 assists in seven of the last 10, but Indiana defensively is just not going to cut it, and they gave a bunch of assists. So I think yeah. you're looking at a spot where, uh, yeah, I, I just think that Jokic has a good game. All right. Before we get over to the next game of the Tuesday night card, let me tell everyone about Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Peer-to-peer social uh, betting is a new and better way to bet. Bet directly against your friends or other users on sports, politics, pop culture, and other events with verifiable outcomes plus a ton of fun of social features that gives it a feel of a betting social network. 
Cut offers lower VIG and fully customizable odds, and it lets you create your own bets as well. Cut handles the payment side of things, so you never have to chase anyone down for money. Social features include uh, group chats, betting leaderboards, head-to-head history, user profiles, fan groups, and much more. They also have a rewards program, so you can get cash back every single time you bet against your friends or other users. Remember that Cut is the peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and legal in 40 states. Head to Cut.com, that's K-U-T-T.com, and use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. And we're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger by betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame Bets, a sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, and soccer bet with the circle stats and data. Enter any parlay idea. into Hall of Fame Bets revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching the Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit ajoofbets.com and use promo code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. And we're also brought to you by the SGPN Merch Store. 15% off of everything in the store now at the now to the end of the month using promo code PLAYOFFS. Hey, we're competing against other shows for a bonus, so make sure uh, you go over there and uh, use promo code PLAYOFFS. And uh, there's a lot of great NBA gambling uh, podcast uh, gear out there. If you don't want NBA gambling podcast specific items, there are also some great sports gambling podcast network or SGP stuff, um, coffee mugs, helmets, uh, T-shirts, anything. I mean, go to this merch store. Check it out yourself. 15% off of everything in the store now to the end of the month by using promo code playoffs. All right, Scott, let's keep it rolling here. My man, next game on the board here. We got the New York Knicks. They are uh, going I guess down the road, I should say, maybe uh, to Brooklyn to take on the Nets. Well, the Knicks are currently a four and a half point road favorite here with a total of 223. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams, only Isaiah Hartenstein is questionable for this game. Uh, for the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Dayron Sharp is out for this game. And that is pretty much it. Uh, let's start with the side here. Scott, minus four and a half in favor of the Knicks uh, in Brooklyn to take on the Nets. Yeah, I'm on the Knicks in this game. I'm not going to spend much time on it. Of course, I'd rather have, have a Hardenstein in the lineup because he's been incredible for this team. Yeah. If he's out, then you're probably looking at a Chua, who I don't think is very good, but I think he can get the job done in this game. But I do think you're looking at the Knicks just being a better overall roster. Uh, they've been really good. I think they've won, I think it's nine of 11, I think. Or ten of twelve. Mm-hmm. I have the stats in front of me. I gotta just pull it up. The uh, the Nets have been horrible though. The uh, Nets have lost ten of twelve. They were really good for about a game and a half against the Lakers and the Clippers. Then they gave up a twenty-two to nothing run to end the game. Uh, the Knicks have won nine of eleven. The Nets have lost ten of twelve. I mean, do I need to really say more? Uh, they're my favorite team. They're not very good. I, I mean, uh, Bridges has been underwhelming recently. Tom Thomas. Uh, you know, is a good score, but he doesn't really guard anybody. And yeah. Jock Vaughn doesn't seem to like him because he doesn't guard anybody. So he's still coming off the bench. Uh, Dimwitty is picking and choosing when he wants to play. Usually he's not going to try. So we'll see what happens with him. But yeah, I, I think it's a home game for the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks run New York. Like, I don't. I think they're going to have the majority of the crowd advantage in this game. So home court doesn't really matter for this matchup. Mm-hmm. The Knicks have won each of the last three meetings by 18 plus points. Yeah, They won the first meeting by 19. And yeah. with Ananobi, this team's been incredible. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Knicks. I'm not going to overthink it. Of course, I feel a lot better about it if, if uh, Hardenstein plays. So we'll see what happens. I think he's probably going to sit. 
But we'll see. I'm still going to link to the Knicks, though. Uh, I just think the Nets are a bad team. Yeah, I don't understand why this is only four and a half. I thought this line would be a lot bigger um, just because how well Knicks are playing and how bad, like you mentioned, the, the Nets have been. Um, I mean, I mean, you mentioned it, right? 18. It is five in most spots, to be fair. It opened up at three and a half. Now it's mostly okay. five. But I mean, you mentioned the last three matchups. The Knicks have just absolutely dominated um, the, the Nets, right? They won by 18 plus points in three straight matchups, three and zero straight up, three and zero against the spread. Um, and defensively, like you mentioned, since they got LG and Anobi, they've been really good. Have the New York Knicks, their second best defensive rated team, only behind the Cleveland Cavaliers. And offensively, like we mentioned, you know, when you have Jalen Brunson, who's been an absolute terror. I know we'll talk about player props here in a minute. But, um, I mean, I like the better team here. I think that, like you mentioned, two teams that are going in opposite directions here. Uh, I'll take the New York Knicks here. Um, uh, minus the, I guess, update number right now is minus five here. Uh, any thoughts on the total here, Scott? Uh, I, it's tricky because I don't think the Nets can score, but if Hardenstein's out, the defense might be worse. Uh, I, I guess I'm going to lean over. I just hope the Knicks score 120, I guess. Like it, it's, it can really go either way. I'll lean over, but I don't feel great about it. I think the pivot may be just taking a team total under for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, but I think yeah, I would lean towards the under. If, I mean, you take a look at the last three matchups that New York Knicks have gotten whatever they want offensively, yeah. 124, 142, 121, and that's all been in regulation. So, um, yeah, I'll lean under maybe a Knicks team total over the Nets team total under in this game. Uh, player props, what are you looking at? Well, I know that if we're assuming that Hardenstein's not going to play, then just give me uh, Randall rebounds in this game. Josh Hart rebounds probably worth a look too, but the Nets can't rebound, and you're looking at a lot of opportunities now that Hardenstein, who if he does play, might walk into 15 rebounds in this game. So that's a lot of yeah. extra opportunities available. So I don't mind a Randall double-double. I know we had a triple-double recently. Uh, I think Hart can have a big game too. Maybe Hart double-double is a pretty sneaky play here, uh, but I do think the rebounds are worth consideration for the Knicks. I'll look there. Offensively, I mean, the Nets can't guard Brunson, so I think Brunson has a good game too, but I'll link to Dimwitty Unders uh, just because I don't trust his effort level game in, game out, but I think it's mostly rebounds here. With Hardenstein probably not going to play, I just think there's a lot of opportunities to be had. Uh, Brunson has scored 30-plus points in four straight games. He's had 41 against the Wizards, and then he had 38 against the Toronto Raptors in the last game. The assists have been there for him as well. Uh, he's had at least seven assists in five straight games. He's had eight assists in three of the last four games. Um, I mean, the, he's a, he's a hot hand right now, so I think that's uh, probably the guy uh, you want to bet on right now as far as player props. I'm going to wait, like you mentioned, if Isaiah Hartenstein does not play in this game, you're automatically going to be looking at Julius Randle rebounds or even Josh Hart rebounds. Uh, Hart has been, like you mentioned, he's been a really good rebound in the basketball as well uh, for this Knicks team, so... I'm going to wait and see the status of um, Isaiah Hardenstein in this game before I do pull the plug on some rebounding props here for either Julius Randle or Josh Hart. Um, yeah, I didn't have anything for the Brooklyn side. It's just always a crapshoot of trying to figure out who's going to be the guy for them every single night. You assume it's going to be either Bridges or Thomas based on volume, but like that's yeah. basically it. Yeah. I want to see what Bridges has done over the past couple of games. I know he had a really good game against the... Uh, He's been up and down. He wasn't very good against the uh, yeah. Lakers. I believe he was good against the Clippers. Uh, but the yeah, Lakers, he, he was kind of he was not great. But 
I yeah, think he's, he's been a, underwhelming. Yeah, I think that's that's the correct way to put it. Um, I guess the Knicks earlier this season in that game, he only had 15 points in that game. Um, but yeah, pretty underwhelming. I think that's the correct way to put it for uh, Mikhail Bridges. All right. Let's go to the next game here, Scott. <clears throat> uh, we got the Portland Trailblazers. They are in OKC to take on the Thunder. Thunder are currently a 13.5-point home favorite here with a total of 233.5. Looking at the injury report here. For the Blazers, Moses uh, Brown is going to be out. Shaden Sharp is out as well. For the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, pretty clean injury report. Everybody uh, is a go in this game. Um Thunder laying 13 and a half here hosting the Portland Trailblazers. Scott, what are you thinking about the uh the um I'm not taking Portland. Like I want to make a case for it, but I can't. Uh the last time these two teams played, you remember what happened? Well, what happened? Uh OKC won by 62 points. Oh, yeah, okay. Golly. The first time they played, OKC won by 43. Which means that the Thunder in the two meetings this season are beating the Trailblazers by basically an average of 50 points. I'm not going to take Portland. I, I'm just not I'm just not going to do it. I, I just think that Portland, once again, if you're losing to this team by an average of 50, maybe you shouldn't show up to the arena. Like, I'm just going to lean to OKC. I, I just don't think this team can match up with them. Give me OKC. Yeah, OKC at home. I mean, like we talked about, right, they've been really good at home this season. Um, trying to pull up the exact ATS numbers for... The Thunder at home. So 16 and 5 straight up, 16 and 5 against the spread. So if you think they're winning the game, they're pretty much going to cover. Um, and I believe they've won, I want to say six straight uh against the Blazers, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, you mentioned the the two prior matchups um against the uh Trailblazers where they just absolutely dominated them. But um, yeah, so this season they've won by a total of 43 and 62 but prior to that they've won oh actually they've won 10 straight games <clears throat> against the portland trailblazers in that span they're nine and one uh against the spread against the uh portland trailblazers so again last 10 matchups since the 2021 season the thunder are 10 and 0 straight up against the uh, portland trailblazers and nine and one um against the spread so yeah i'll lean here with the thunder here as well Total is sitting at two thirty-three and a half here, Scott. What do you think? I, I mean, I think the Thunder might score one forty, but like I, the question is, can Portland score? In the two meetings this season, they scored ninety-one in the first meeting, and they scored seventy-seven in the second meeting. Now Portland was battling some injuries, so maybe they can, you know, get some scoring since they're a bit healthier. But I guess I'm going to lean to the over. Because I'm just penciling OKC to find a way to score 130, basically, no matter what. So I guess I'm just going to lean to the over and hope for the best. But, I mean, Portland could single-handedly sabotage this thing. But I'm going to lean to the over. Yeah, I mean, I think you... Remember, I just take, like, a Thunder team total over, right? Um, yeah. We think, like, Thunder going to do a majority of the scoring. Um, the last four meetings, 138, 118, 134, and 139. So they've scored 134-plus points in three out of the last four matchups against the Portland Trailblazers. So um, I think Thunder team total over here uh, is probably uh, a good look, at least as far as the total play. Uh, player props here, Scott. Uh, it is a 13.5-point uh, spread here, and the uh, Thunder do also play tomorrow night. So maybe if they take care of business early, they probably sit some of their starters here. But any player props you're looking at? Well, that's the problem is because everybody I'm tempted by, they might not play this the fourth quarter of the game. So I don't I don't really know where I'm supposed to go with this one. 
I guess I'm going to lean to Holmgren under uh, his PRA. I know Holmgren mm-hmm. is still the favorite to win Rookie of the Year, but he probably shouldn't be based on how good Wemby's been the last couple of weeks. But you're going through Chet's number in this matchup, and his PRA is a 27.5. He's gone under in six straight. He's gone under an eight of 10. And if you want to even go back further, uh, yeah, he has gone under in. Is that eight of 10, or is, does that go back even further? I, I, I think it's eight For of 10. So. Chet. Uh, it's a nine. It's actually nine of eleven. He's gone under this number, and in the first in the uh, first uh, two meetings of the season, he had twenty six, and he had twenty two. Once again, garbage time was at, uh, definitely helped the under because he didn't play the fourth quarter. But I'm going to go to Holmgren under. You go under an eight of ten, and you might not play the fourth quarter. I feel like unders are the way to go for this game. A lot of people are probably going to take the random overs because in order to actually get up by a lot of points, you got to drop one hundred and twenty anyway. But I'm just concerned about the minutes. So I'm going to use it to my advantage. I'll go with the under for Chet PRA. Yeah, looking at SGA's uh, assist in this game, Portland are allowing the most assists to the point guard position. It's at five and a half at minus 150, pretty much at six and a half, or maybe a Josh Giddy um, assist prop in this game. But I mean, like you mentioned, because if this does turn into a blowout and the um, Thunder have a game tomorrow against the... Um, Spurs tomorrow. I mean, they're probably going to end up sitting some of their guys uh, in that or in this game if it does turn into a blowout. So, um, don't want to touch uh, either one of uh, at least for the Thunder. Portland, I mean, you mentioned that they were missing guys in those two games when they did get blown out. Um, Jeremy Grant has been pretty solid for this. Blazers team, maybe Malcolm Brogdon, I think is a good look as well. He's also been getting the minutes uh, for this Blazers team. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. I, again, with this double-digit spread, I probably want to stay away from player props. All right. By the way, it was announced that uh, or, yeah. uh, a little while ago that if Hardenstein does not play, Jericho Sims will get the start. It wouldn't be uh, Achua. It would be Jericho Sims. Okay. But I forgot it's still in the NBA, but he'd be getting the start. <laughs> Uh, all right, next game on the board here. We got the Utah Jazz. They are traveling to New Orleans to take on the Pelicans. Pelicans currently seen as a six and a half point favorite in this game with a total of 239 and a half. Uh, looking at the injury report, let's start here with the Utah Jazz. Uh, predicting an injury report uh, is just guys that are on two way deals or on assignment. For the Pelicans, um, pretty clean injury report for them as well. <clears throat> Only Matt Ryan is on there who is dealing with a right elbow surgery. But two healthy squads here. Scott, start with the side uh, Pelicans minus six and a half uh, over the Utah Jazz. It's a very, very tricky spot because Utah, we know, has been great for the last month or so. ATS, they made us a lot of money. Having said that, our team's starting to figure them out a little bit. I wonder how much of it is Utah actually being good and how much of it was, well, Utah sucks. It's a free win on the schedule, but they kept underestimating the same team over and over again, and Utah kept sneaking up on them. They didn't lose back-to-back games. They lost at Houston in overtime. That's not bad. And they lost to OKC by five at home. That's not bad either. So I personally think that that is not the case. I think Utah is actually good at basketball. And I think people are waiting for the regression to happen with this team. And I think they're good enough to actually hold on. Are they going to make the playoffs? I didn't say that. But I think they're good enough to actually remain in contention. And I think they're good enough to not blow up the roster, which we thought they would be doing by the trade deadline. But looking at the three meetings this season, they've been competitive against uh, New Orleans. They lost by, uh, actually, they're two and one. They won the two games at home, and they lost the one game in late December in New Orleans by seven. They've been competitive. That's good enough for me. New Orleans, we saw, 
have a massive opportunity to kind of prove them prove themselves last time out, and they got blown up by Phoenix at home. So New Orleans once again is a team that we keep waiting to make the permanent leap into being a top a serious threat. And every time they do, they stumble. So maybe it's a bounce back spot, maybe it's not. But Utah's been good against this team. Uh, mm. They've covered this line in two of the three. The other one they lost by a hook. If you're using this number, I'm going to lean to Utah. I think six and a half is too many. I just don't trust New Orleans enough. I was hoping they'd show me something against Phoenix, and they no-showed the entire game. Give me Utah plus the points. Yeah, I know the Jazz uh, got off to an atrocious start um, on the road this season, but you take a look at their last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight road games. They're actually five and three straight up and six, sorry, seven and one uh, against the spread. Those last eight road games. So, um, and like I mentioned, like when this squad is healthy, they they look like a really good team. I mean, dare I say, a playoff team. Um, I mean, Colin Sexton's been playing out of his mind. Laurie Marketing, Jordan Clarkson. Um, again, give a lot of credit to their head coach Will Hardy. He's just been able to figure out these rotations and put guys in the right spots uh, as well. So, and they they they, they compete right. They're feisty. So. I'll leave with the Jazz here as well, plus a six and a half against the Pelicans. Pelicans, I've seen this the story so many times this season. I think we've talked about it as well, that they're great in the first half. They'll cover that first half spread. And they'll let teams bat into the game in the second half. And they'll probably go out to lose the game outright um, in that second half when they do have a lead at the half. So if you want to play the Pelicans, I'll probably look at them in the first half. Um, and then I, I think the full game, I'm, I'm with you, Scott. I think I, I like the Jazz here, plus six and a half. Total's at 239 and a half. Uh, any thoughts on that? I think people are going to blindly take the over, but I actually kind of like the under in this game. The three yeah. games this season haven't been close to this number. Now, I got to see how many games Zion played in because I know he missed the first one, and he was in the second one. I think he played the third one, too. I think uh, he did. So Zion played the last two games, but each of the first three meetings landed below 227, and this total's around 240. I'm going to lean to the under. Uh, this total just feels too high to me based on what we've seen so far in the previous meetings. So I'm going to lean to the under. And I think New Orleans is still a good defensive team. So I'll lean to the under in this spot. Um, yeah, I, 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 I can see that. Um, on the road. I mean, I understand the over arguments because Utah has been in sure. a lot of high-scoring games, whatever. But when you've had three separate meetings that are not even close to this number, I'm probably just going to assume the same story happened, so I'm going to I'm going to lean to the under. Yeah, I didn't really have much of an opinion on this uh, total here, um, but I, like you mentioned, the last this is already the fourth meeting this season. Um, yeah. That's crazy. Uh, so they've scored two hundred five, two twenty six, and two seventeen in those three games uh, this season. So two forty though, like that's yeah. massive. Yeah. So yeah, I would yeah, I lean towards the under just based on the head-to-head history here as well. Player prop, Scott, what are you looking at? Uh, well, if you're gonna go with Utah, then I f- and you think they keep the game close, then don't you have to consider automatically going to either Sexton or you're gonna go with Lori, just to mm-hmm. be, you know play it relatively safe or at least simple. I don't know why I wouldn't go back to Sexton at this point. Do we know Chris Dunn is actually healthy for this game? Um, he's not. I on think the he is, report. but I believe he got banged up last game. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, two games ago he, he played against Houston. My bad. Yeah, he played against Houston. He got in the, I remember because he got in a little scuffle with Jabari uh, in that game. But he's not on the injury report right now, so maybe his minutes okay. have like diminished a little bit. But um, well, he played twenty seven minutes against Houston. So now yeah. I take it back. I, I forgot they played Houston between the OKC game. Uh, but mm-hmm. 
for this matchup, I mean, Ingram's point totals at 19 and a half, which sounds like a gift, but he's gone under and four the last five, but he's done well against Utah. So if you like the matchup, maybe. Laurie rebounds at eight and a half. Somebody's going to have to rebound the ball in this game uh, for mm-hmm. Utah. Uh, he's gone over in each of the last five, gone over in eight of the last 10. He's done well rebounding against New Orleans, so I probably would like Laurie rebounds in this game at eight and a half. Uh, besides that, I see Sexton assists at four and a half. It's gone yeah. over in five straight, gone over in seven of ten. Why would I not be tempted by Sexton props in this game? Yeah, so, I mean, I mentioned Colin Sexton earlier. Uh, he's been at an absolute tear uh, for this team. Last five games, he's averaging 27.2 points. He's had at least um, <clears throat> 27 points in four straight games. He's had 20-plus points. And let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, seven out of the last eight games. His points prop right, points prop right now is at um, 20 and a half. And like you mentioned, if you want to play his points and assists to go over, or just his points or his assists to go over, I don't hate that. Um, Zion has actually done pretty well against his Jazz team um, as well. His points prop is at 24 and a half. But in his career against the Utah Jazz, he's averaging uh, 25.2 points per game. But over the last eight games, he's scored 32, 27, 26, 25, 26, 31, 26. And the last game, he did have only 21. So um, I think it's a, a good matchup for him uh, based off of just his head-to-head history against the Utah Jazz. This at 24.5, a little bit juiced, but um, I don't hate that for Zion in this game either. The Zion stats are tricky, though, because Ingram was out for, I think, a meeting. Yeah, that's true. That's so well, yeah. There was some inflated numbers, but Ingram is just, I don't know what he's doing. He's, what is he, the third option now? Like He's acting like it? Now, you go under 20 and 4 or 5? Come on, Ingram. You gotta, be, you gotta be at least a bit more aggressive. I'm starting to wonder if they like, like they make a trade, or do you think they keep this? Yeah, do like do they keep this team intact? I mean, you could add them to the list of teams I've been saying should have blown up the roster about a, a year or two ago. There's a lot of teams like that uh, in the league, and yeah. some of them actually started to do it. Shout out to Toronto, but still, I don't think Zion and Ingram work together. I, I've gone on record saying this. The problem is that New Orleans is good enough where you can make the argument, well, we haven't seen Zion in a playoff series yet, so if he stays healthy, then maybe we'll figure it out. They have a certain ceiling. Ingram yeah. has always been and will always be a ball-dominant guy, for better or worse. I know occasionally it's a triple-double, might have some assists, but for the most part, he's trying to shoot. There's a reason why people compared him to Durant when he was starting out. And even though he'll never be Durant, obviously, it's because he was a lengthy forward who can shoot the ball and nobody can block him because he's seven feet tall. And it's basically what Brandon Ingram is. Now, I don't think that he is a black hole per se. Does he make his teammates better? No. Does Zion make his teammates better? He can when he's actually engaged. It's a big if. When he's engaged, I do like his playmaking ability more than Ingram's. And then you have McCollum in there, who I think is fine. Like, I don't think think McCollum's that special. So I would make some changes. Are they going to? No. I think New Orleans record-wise is fine where they are, and they're going to believe in the, well, let, let's see what Zion can do in a playoff series. It's not going to work out for them, but they're going to see what happens with Zion in a playoff series since they just paid him a lot of money before they make any moves. I'm assuming you agree with that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I feel like CJ is probably headed to that trajectory of where Kyle Lowry is now. Uh, he's a long way away from that. Lowry yeah, should yeah, be yeah. out of the league at this point, but yeah, he's definitely not the guy he used to be. 
McCollum, you can always argue, was never exactly a winning basketball player. That's a separate conversation. He yeah. had the big game seven against Denver with the chase down block. You know, he had that game, and he's had a couple playoff moments with Dame, and they did make a Western Conference Finals. But McCollum's always also been a shoot-first guy, and you're looking at three shoot-first guys as the main piece of your offense. Murphy's also a shoot-first guy. He's a catch-and-shoot guy, but still... I don't think they have enough selfless players on the team. McCollum's mm-hmm. trying to sacrifice, and he's trying to be a bit more of a playmaker, but that's not who he is. He yeah. just wants to shoot the ball a lot. Yeah, They really could use a true point guard. <clears throat> like They don't have one. McCollum's been kind of converted into yeah. a point guard, but mm-hmm. I don't think that works. I really think they need a floor general on the team. Like I'm trying to think of a good guy that they can get. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of the actual market of who would be a good fit for them. And... I'm going to have to think about that, but I just don't think McCollum and the core are good enough to actually make any noise whatsoever in the playoffs. But according to the front office's mind, they're going to wait and see if Zion in a playoff series can maybe make it interesting. It's not going to, but they're, they're in too deep at this point. They're just going to see what happens. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's get over to the last game of the night here. Battle of LA. Uh, We've got the LA Lakers and the Clippers. Uh, it'll be technically a Clippers home game in this game. The Clippers are a nine-point favorite uh, in this game. That's who they should go for. Tyus Jones. New Orleans should go for Tyus Jones. Yeah, that, that's a yeah, that's a great point. That's um, who I would go for if I was New Orleans. Uh, Clippers nine-point favorite here with a total of two. Excuse me, two thirty-three and a half. Looking at the injury report for the Clippers, uh, LeBron is going to be out for this game. He has a left ankle injury. Anthony Davis is probable. Jared Vanderbilt is probable. And for the Clippers, uh, Zubak is going to be out for this game. So no LeBron here tonight for the Lakers. Uh, Clippers uh, laying nine points here, hosting the Lakers. Or Clippers laying nine points here, hosting the Lakers. Scott, let's start with the side here. What are you thinking? A part of me feels like the Lakers keep this game interesting for a bit, but without LeBron, no. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Clippers, simply put. Uh, props to LeBron. He got the team back to 500, and now he's sitting out again. So we're back to the seesaw, I guess, of trying to battle yourself over 500. But yeah, the Clippers are the better team. Uh, The Lakers pulled off the win last time out in a game that was kind of weird because Kawhi got like pseudo benched in the fourth quarter, which I Mm -hmm. still don't really understand what happened there with Ty But that game came down the stretch and that game was close. But simply put, the Clippers are a very good basketball team. The Lakers are not. And with LeBron being out, I mean, how many points do you need from... Let's say AD and D'Lo. Maybe you can throw in Reeves, but Reeves has kind of been a mess this season because he can't guard anyone. D'Lo and AD, how many points do they actually need to score in order to cover this 9.5? 60. Like 60? 55? Like, that's kind of what I was thinking. I'll take my yeah. chances. Uh, I'll, lean to, I'll lean to the Clippers in the spot. Also a revenge spot here for the Clippers, right? Because the Lakers did, in fact, uh, beat them in the last The hideous uh, game, but the Lakers yeah. pulled that off. And again, like we mentioned, the Clippers are just playing absolutely great basketball right now. Um, so I think that, yeah, like you said, maybe the Lakers early on keep it interesting. But I think at the end of the day, when you have James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, uh, and the depth that you saw on this team, I think that eventually they will pull away uh, and get a double-digit victory here against the um, against the Lakers. Again, this team looks completely different, obviously, without you know one of your best players, not your best player, best player in LeBron James, uh, not on the floor here. So, uh, Clippers for me here as well. Total Scott two thirty three and a half. Any thoughts on that? It's tough to really consider an overall if LeBron's not playing because we know the Lakers aren't exactly a good offensive team. 
The Clippers could score 130, and we'll see what happens. Do the Lakers play faster without LeBron or slower? Uh, I could look that up right now. Let's see. I would assume they play slower just because we've seen LeBron. Like He's a guy that can get up and down the floor. I'm assuming get... so as well, but I'm just asking. Because the first game was a rock fight, which is why I just want confirmation on that. Because I think I'm leaning under, but I just wanted to get confirmation. Uh, Lakers pace with and without LeBron James. Let's just do it from last season because... I don't know how many. I think LeBron's played a decent amount of games this year. I don't think he's missed. Yeah. So with him, it's not much of a difference. So they have a pace of this since the 2021. Let me just do this season. Let's see. All right. So this season, LeBron has missed only four games. So without LeBron on the floor, they have a pace of 103.85 with him, 99.64. So they're playing faster without LeBron on the floor. I'm going to lean to the over. That's really all I needed to hear. I'll lean to the over. All right. Um, I think a Clippers team total over for me would be a play here. Um, but I know historically, like when these two teams match up, it's not really higher scoring. But I, I, this Clippers offense has just been very, very efficient um, since they've kind of figured it out with James Harden and since that trade that they did make for him. So. They did score the first game back on November 1st what was 131-25. We talked about how the second matchup on January 7th was a kind of a rock fight, 106-103, where the uh, Lakers did get the victory there. So I think Clippers team total for me in this game uh, would be a look on the over. Um, player props, got anything you're looking at? Yeah, I, I feel like once again with the Clippers, you can make an argument on who you think is going to have a good game. Maybe Paul George bounces back, Kawhi, you know, et cetera. For the Lakers, I'm actually really tempted by D'Lo. I don't know if he knows he's getting traded. I don't know what the story is, but he's been really good for the last couple weeks. And with LeBron uh, being out of the game, I don't think D'Lo needs an excuse to shoot the ball more. But he's going to shoot more, so I'm going to go with D'Lo. I think he's in line for, uh, once again, a big volume game. Which is, you know, all you kind of need. Uh, you'll take, you'll pick your poison there if you can actually hit shots or not. But you got to live with the risk in that spot. Uh, but with AD, once again, you could probably go back to him. But I am wondering how the Clippers are going to guard him. I'm curious if they're going to let AD go nuts or if they're going to actually try to like send doubles and see what happens because Mason Plumlee can't guard him. But we'll see what they do. But I don't, I don't really know what you think they're going to do defensively. But I definitely can see D'Lo jacking up a bunch of shots in this game. And D'Lo's points in this game, I, D'Lo's points are a 19 and a half. That's so low with no LeBron. Yeah, I, like, think like, I, I have to go with the over on D'Lo. He's gone over in four or five. The volume's been there. He's been solid, and he might try to go toe-to-toe against four guys because D'Lo is the irrational confidence guy. But last three <clears> games, 29, 20, and 34, I mean, yeah, I probably will go D'Lo over. I think 19 and a half is too low. So when he goes like three of 15 tonight, and you're going to come back here tomorrow and then just cuss, cuss him out because he... Yeah, he might, really but if he goes eight of 20, he's probably going over anyway because he's going yeah, to line a couple times. So I'll, yeah. take, I'll take a risk of him going like eight of 20 and still going over. Yeah, and a lot of his shots also come from beyond the arc as well, and he's been, I think over the last five games, very efficient from the three-point line. Shouldn't get 53.7% uh, for the Lakers. And like you mentioned, 20-plus uh, points um, in... For the last five games, 29 plus and three of the last five, averaging 27.2 points um, in the last five games for the Lakers. So, yeah, that's a good look. Um, 
hard assists is always on the table. Uh, if you want to play his double double, um, I mean, we know he can walk into ten assists on any given night. He's been really good distributing the basketball. Um, but like that, Westbrook props in this it. game. If you think there's a blowout, you think Westbrook might do something? Uh, yeah, maybe to kind of give it to his former team. That's the only blowout <laughs> angle I'm trying to think of is if you want to take a shot with like a Westbrook big game. Yeah, like so. The two matchups this season, uh, I think this was before hard November 1st. He played 44 minutes, 24 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. But then the second game, he only played 19 minutes, 7, re- uh, seven points, 1 rebound, and 3 assists. So probably not. It, yeah, probably not. Um, maybe you look at his points depending on what the number is for him. But if one of these guys would, was injured, I would definitely look at it at that point. But since everybody's healthy, I, I think that I'd probably stay away from Westbrook in this game. Uh, if, you want games, the, if you want the bad player that I'm going to jinx into having a good game in this one, uh, Torian Prince. You think he's going to have a good game? No, I think he's going to have a bad game, but I'm calling him out, oh. so he's going to drop 20. Uh, but oh. we're going to see how long this lasts. But yeah, I'm not a Torian Prince guy. His points are a 10 and a half. He pretty much yeah. only shoots threes. So yeah. I think, once again, he's in a bad spot. But, you know, I said Harrison Barnes wasn't very good, and he had 30. So we'll see what happens. But I, I think, once again, uh, Prince under 10 and a half is worth consideration. All right, that is the last game of the night on the Tuesday card here, Scott. Uh, let's get into our lock and dog, and then we will do our underdog fantasy entry uh, before we wrap up this episode. You want to lead us off? Yeah, uh, so for this one, for the lock, I mean, I was initially going to consider the Knicks, but I, with the Hardenstein injury and the lines actually dropped recently to about four, uh, which is mm-hmm. definitely suggesting that Hardenstein's not going to play. Uh, I'm not sure if I actually want to take it. There's a three and a half available, though. I think for this one, I'm going to go to the... I know I want a side. The question is, which one do I want? Because OKC's winning this, has been beating this team by basically an average of 50. But I want to actually see who OKC plays next. Who does Oklahoma City play after this trail? They got San Antonio tomorrow night. I guess that's not a look at it all. Um, No. You know what? Yeah, I think I'm going to do it. Give me OKC. I'll lay the wood here with 13 and a half. You're winning by 62 and about 40 and change. You're at home. Portland's not any good. I think OKC wins this game comfortably. So I'm going to go with OKC to get the job done there. Uh, For my dog, I think I am going to go with a two-pick same-game parlay. And I was thinking about Jokic triple-double with the Nuggets to win. I know Indiana actually has been decent at preventing assists recently, but I am wondering defensively how they're going to look with Siakam instead, and they're going to have to try to piece some things together. But I think that Jokic is in line for a massive game. I think Denver's going to win. Uh, Mm -hmm. But to go through the actual uh, price there for Jokic triple-double and the Nuggets to win, plus 235. That's good enough for me. Give me Jokic triple-double and Denver to win a plus 235. All right. Uh, all right, for my lock, I will go with um, let's see the Clippers team total over or the Thunder. Um, I think I'll go with the uh, with a Thunder. You can do both if you want to parlay it. Yeah, dog. I think I'm. I mean, this Portland defense has been absolutely terrible. Um, I know they're in the front end of a back to back, and it's not much of a look ahead spot for this uh thunder team but again like we mentioned the last three games that they have just or even the last two games they've actually just owned this team uh they've got whatever they want offensively so 
That number right now is at 124 and a half. I'll take the over on that. Um, I, I do think that this will see a uh, a lot of points being scored, but I think majority of it will come from the Thunder side. Um, so I'll take the team total over 124 and a half for the OKC Thunder. For my dog, um, I'm tempted by Do you Utah. like any money ones or you want to go prop here? I think I'm tempted by Utah. Okay. At plus two hundred, um, yeah, you know what? Give me the Jazz plus two hundred on the money line. Puts them on that uh, spread as well, plus six and a half. This seems healthy, and they're they're playing well, right? I know the early on in the season they weren't very good off um, on the road, but like I mentioned, last ten games, nine and one against the spread, eight and two straight up on the road. Um, I think they can again. We've seen the Pelicans cough up leads in the second half. They played great in the first half but they give it up in the second half. So I'll take the Utah Jazz here, plus uh, 200 on the money line uh, against the Pelicans. Of course, I'm going to be on that plus six and a half as well for the Utah Jazz. So, um, all right, there we go. All right, Scott, let's do our Underdog Fantasy entry before we do get out of here. Uh, again, go to underdogfantasy.com. If you're not already, uh, make sure you use that promo code NBASGPN. You'll get a first deposit bonus of up to $100. Uh, make sure you use that, use, use that promo code NBA SGPN. All right, Scott, where do you want to start? First of all, apologies. Uh, Terrell and I yesterday just straight up forgot to do an underdog lineup. We, we just completely <laughs> forgot to do it, so apologies there. My bad. I had people reaching out to me on Twitter. Uh, yeah, where was the underdog? I'm like, oh, I, whoops. Yeah, we, we just we just <laughs> forgot. So sorry about that. But um, I'm going to ask you, because my first thought was D-low points at 19.5. It just feels mm-hmm. too low for a guy who has had an insane amount of volume recently, and he might get even more volume with LeBron being out. So I think D'Lo points is probably where I'm going to start. Uh, but I do want to ask, I mean, I'm going to read off the, the shot volume that he's had for the last couple games, but I'm assuming you're on board. Uh, the last couple games for D'Lo, 21 shot attempts, 14 shot attempts, 20 shot attempts, four, uh, sorry, 12 shot attempts, 26. So he's had 20 plus shot attempts in three of the last five. So I, I like D'Lo points in this one. Yeah. And that number is only going to go up, especially without LeBron. Um, and if it is James Harden carding D'Angelo Russell, I think good luck with that because we know Harden doesn't play uh, any defense. He's been uh, better with the Clippers, but he's still not a sure. good defensive player. Yeah. All right. So we'll start with that. We go D'Lo, uh, D'Angelo Russell higher 19 and a half points. Um, huh, you want to do like Randall rebounds? Sure. What's that? Nine and a half. It seems like Hardenstein's not going to play, and Sim yeah. gets, in, gets into foul trouble every time he does play, so I like the Randall rebounds. All right, so we'll go higher nine and a half rebounds on Julius Randall. Uh, what else do we like here? Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Glory rebounds, if you want yeah, to go that's that. Yeah, that's what I was uh, going to. You I mean, somebody's going to have to rebound for that Utah team. Yeah, so his rebounds are at nine, and then points and rebounds are at 33 and a half. Okay. You have a preference? I mean, I think he can do both. I think that, um, I mean, we know the points are going to be. Oh, wait, you, want Jokic, you want Jokic with like rebounds or something? Oh, yeah. We've got about that one because you liked, yeah, I like Jokic triple double here tonight. Uh, let's go okay. back. And That's probably Jokic. spicy. So that might give us a bonus payout. Yeah, it's 1.25 spicy. Sure. All right. We'll throw that in there. All right. So we'll go D'Angelo Russell, higher 19 and a half points. Julius Randle, higher nine and a half rebounds. And Nikola Jokic to record a triple double. 
uh, that correct for three for three will get us a nice uh, plus 750-ish. So $750 if you put in $100 on that um, for the entry for tonight. So again, once again, Julius Randle, higher nine and a half rebounds. Nicole Yogesha recorded triple-double. And uh, D'Angelo Russell, higher 19 and a half points for our underdog fantasy entry for tonight for the Tuesday night card. All right, Scott, that's going to wrap it up, my friend, for this edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast. Anything else you want to mention before we get out of here? Not really. Uh, I know that I'll be back again tomorrow with Terrell, also doing the tennis show at some point, probably tomorrow. That's going to be on YouTube now. Uh, we officially moved yep. to YouTube, so we got merch as well. So if you do watch the tennis show, we have merch on the merch store. And besides that, I got a AFC title game preview to do with uh, Terrell later in the week. So once again, a lot of podcasts and should be fun. All right, there we go. Um, yeah, make sure to tune in with Scott and Terrell tomorrow as usual same time same place and again australian open going on so make sure to check out scott on the tennis gambling podcast and again make sure to get over to the uh, merch store make sure you use that promo code playoffs for 15 percent off of all the merchandise on the um on the merch store for the sports gambling podcast network all right guys uh, appreciate everybody in the chat the usual suspects uh, may i'll make the show entertaining uh, with all the plays that you guys do throw in there. So it's a, we're growing a nice community there in the chat as well. So if you already haven't joined us in the chat, we go live around 11 a.m. Eastern every single day, Monday through Friday at least. Uh, so come join us in the chat. A lot of uh, good guys there uh, and gals that do join us in the chat there. All right, good luck with your bets here tonight. Let's break these books off and let it ride. Ba-da-ba-da-da.